morning. Uh, for anybody who might not know me, I'm Anthony Burma. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Uh, usually, if you get me, that means all the pastors are gone, but not, not the case this week. So if you're hoping to hear from a real pastor, come back next week. Um, I have the privilege of giving the first message of the, the new year here. Uh, let, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you very much just for the chance to get together here this morning as, as your people in your house uh, and spend time in your word. And we just, I just ask that you would guide it, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would show us what you have for us today, but also that we would just keep in mind that um, it's not all about us. Uh, that it's about you, and just ask that you guide and direct here this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So initially, I was going to say that this wasn't really a New Year's resolution message, and I was going to kind of make fun of New Year's resolutions, because personally, I, I, I don't know, I sort of think they're ridiculous. But uh, as I got into preparing for this message... I actually came across a verse that makes it seem like New Year's, well, maybe not New Year's resolutions, but resolutions are actually biblical. So scrap, scrap the, the, the joke I was going to make about New Year's resolutions, I guess. But for sure, this time of year, um, you know, there's different events in life and there's different events on the calendar that are good times to make us reflect and think about things and... Um, just give an honest evaluation of where we're at and the, the path that we're on and, if needed, to make some corrections. And, and so hopefully today uh, we, can, we can do that as individuals going forward, uh, just make that evaluation here uh, about where we're at and, and where we want to be. So we're going to be in Psalm 119 today. have been spending a lot of time there with our college Bible study group. And, and what are some things we know about Psalm 119? Um, it is the longest chapter of the Bible at 176 verses. I promise we won't be going through all of them today. Um, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119, who the psalmist is. Uh, some ideas out there are David, Ezra, Daniel, or Jeremiah. Um, I'm going to call this a real-life psalm. And what do I mean by that? Uh, he gets real practical in Psalm 119. Of course, with 176 verses, he has time to go into a lot of things that are going on in his life. Uh, and I think a lot of the Psalms are like that, that you know, the Psalmists get really practical and in-depth and, and give us a picture of what's going on in their lives. Um, we don't get a lot of specifics about his circumstances, but we do know that you know, if you were to read the whole the whole chapter, his life was in danger. Uh, he experienced persecution. There were slanders told about him, lies. Uh, he was, his reputation was smeared by others. Um, there was trials in his life. He had sin struggles. There were distractions that he dealt with and, and had to overcome. There was affliction in his life. And there was blessings. So it kind of sounds like real life, right? Um, 
But one thing really shines through in this psalm, and that is the all-sufficiency of God's Word. It's clearly the psalmist's love. It's his focus. It's his guide. He goes back to it over and over and over again. In fact, um, out of the 176 verses, there's only a few that don't, where he doesn't specifically mention God's Word in them. And depending on which translation you use, there might be some different words interchanged for, for each other, but, you know, there's different words like statutes, precepts, commands, instruction, God's Word. These are different words that he uses throughout the psalm, but they all go back to, you know, this idea of Scripture or God's Word. And he just goes back to it over and over again in all these different situations. And it's really amazing, you know, we don't, again, we don't know exactly when this was written or who wrote it, but it was a long time ago, and there wasn't a lot of scripture present at that time. He went to have he went to have 66 books of scripture uh, to meditate on and to use as his guide. He would have had you know the first five and maybe a few other of the really early written uh, books, but yet even with just a really small proportion of what we had. He meditated on it. He, you know, he used it as, as his guide. And so, so much more, it should be that for us. Um, so what we're going to do is we'll, we'll look at some verses in Psalm 119. We're going to jump around a little bit in there, which, you know, normally you don't start in the middle of the story and go back to the front and go to the end and back and forth. But in this, it's all right. We're not going to take anything out of context. They're all standalone truths so that um, that work to do that. So we are going to jump around a little bit. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, though, and we're going to see this, is that the psalmist was afflicted. He talks about it quite a few times throughout the chapter, um, but he certainly had some affliction. Again, he didn't give us specifics of what those were, but we'll look at some of those verses in a minute. Um, the dictionary definition of affliction is just simply pain or suffering. It's pretty broad, right? There's varying degrees, obviously, of pain and suffering that we can have. Um, it, 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 it's a broad definition. According to that definition, we certainly all have experienced some affliction in our lives, right? We all have some pain and suffering at different times, different, different things. It's kind of a biblical definition, an Old Testament Hebrew for affliction is to lower or humble or deny. And actively would be that which causes or tends to cause bodily pain or mental distress. And there's really this idea of it being an uprooting event of life. So pretty serious things. You know, uprooting things, that would be something that's pretty significant in our life. Um, and so anytime we see that in this chapter or in the Old Testament, that word affliction... It's going to be something pretty significant going on in life. And, you know, I, in a way I feel kind of unqualified to talk about this topic of affliction because, you know, I look around and, and you know, even at our... So we do monthly elders meetings in this church and, and we kind of take turns doing a devotional and then we talk a lot about um, just contacts we've had with folks from the church, uh, you know, difficult things, afflictions that people are going through. 
Uh, we talk about praises and good things, and, and we spend a lot of time praying for you folks uh, and uh, people who are going through difficult things. And this topic of affliction was kind of a major theme of our last elders meeting. And, you know, some affliction with in some of the elders' you know, lives, and then obviously, uh, you know, quite a few people in this church going through some really difficult things. And, you know, there's cancers, there's people with strokes that are struggling with recovery, there's been surgeries. You know, within the last few years, there's been some loss, relational uh, problems and, and, and financial stresses, and you can fill in your own blank here if you have one. Um, but it's also something that, for those of us who maybe aren't going through a lot of affliction right now, it's going to happen at some point, right? I mean, that's just a fact of life is we go through difficult things. We lose people. Things happen. Uh, and so there's, there's lessons. And I, I hope there's some real encouragement here for you people who are going through some difficult things. Um, but for those of us who maybe aren't right now, like, try to remember this as we go forward because we're going to see here that, um, that the psalmist had some real serious things he went through, and I think we can learn some really big lessons. So let's go to Psalm 19, uh, starting in verse 67. It says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Down to 71. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn from your statutes. Now if you flip over to 107... I'm severely afflicted. Lord, give me life through your word. So again, these afflictions, they were serious. We don't know what they were, but they were an uprooting type thing of life. But he used his affliction as a turning point. It says in verse 67 that he, he was astray. He was not following God. He was not following his commands. He was not following his word. But through whatever this affliction was in his life, he turned to God. He used it as a turning point and started living according to the word. Um, in, that, in 71, he talks about how it was good to be afflicted. Again, so that he could learn, learn more. Learn more about the word. Learn to rely on the Lord. Um, he acknowledged God's goodness and sovereignty and, and recognized he wouldn't be who he is without the affliction that he had. And, and 107, you know, he sought life, he sought um, strength through, through the Word of God during the time he was severely afflicted, it says. And verse 68, following immediately ver- verse 67 there, where he's talking about affliction, again, he acknowledges God's goodness. You are good. You do what is good. That can be hard, right? That can be really hard when we're going through something really difficult to step back and say, Lord, you are good, regardless of what's going on. And, um, you know, it, it's <laughs> when you're in the midst of it, it, it is tough. You can always probably look across the, the aisle and see somebody that's going through something a lot more difficult than you are. But regardless, again, through this affliction, we have some choices here. You know, we, we can, probably everybody's going to experience a little bit of feeling sorry for themselves, but you can, 
just loathing that and staying that. Or you can be mad at God or question God in an unhealthy way or, or you can just sit there and dwell on it. Or you can take the psalmist approach and use it as a turning point to which hard things can really become good things for our walk with the Lord. Let's look at verse 56. It says, This is my practice. I obey your precepts. And again, you might have a different word than precepts. Um, again, in this psalm, just think of it as, I obey the, I obey the Lord. I obey His word. Um, just to make it clear, you know, obedience here, it's not just a following of the obeying of a rule or this or that. It's, what the psalmist is talking about here is nothing less than devotion to Jesus. And when I think of the word practice, I think back to like middle school and high school. At that age, you do a lot of practicing, don't you? You, you practice for math tests or spelling tests. You practice sports. You practice band instruments. You practice for driving. You know, some of those things kind of keep on in life, but a lot of times it's, you know, for a specific purpose. It's for, you know, a test or a game or a performance or something like that. And that's where, that's where the analogy breaks down a little bit here, but, you know, we think about as, a, as adults who are in careers or different things. Um, you think, well, you know, I don't so much practice anymore. It's more real life where it's the real thing that matters. But at the same time, you know, if you think back over your career or, you know, different things, it's still like practice, right? You, you have to make these decisions. It's real life, but you're learning from experience. You're learning from mistakes. You're learning even from things that went really well and so that you can do those things more and more going forward. And that's the idea here in our Christian walk, our life with the Lord, it's, it's a consistency. It's, it's a conscious choice. It's a manner of living where we're trying to live this obedience out, where we're, where we're learning, you know, as we go, learning from mistakes or learning from experience. And it's not perfection, of course, because we're human beings. But trying to build that consistency and, and you know, obedience, it does. It needs to become our way of life. We need to learn Scripture apply it, follow his commands. And even amongst the church, amongst believers here, right? We get together, we learn, we gather together, we build each other up. These things are like practicing. They're helping us as we move forward to, to, to hopefully spur on in this obedience. Uh, let's look at verse 112. 112 says, I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. It might seem like maybe a little bit of an odd one because it's talking about ending, ending well. Um, but, you know, none of us really knows when our end will be, do we? We see examples of that all the time. People get in accidents or some health thing pops up unexpectedly and we don't know when our end will be. We also don't know when Jesus is going to come back. We look forward to that, right? could be soon. But this idea of ending well, you know, so there's so many examples in Scripture of people not ending well. And today, we hear it, you know. There's kings, there's, there's pastors today, there's people just, you know, 
people can fall off. They don't always end well. But that, what he says here is he's gonna, he's making up his mind. He's gonna stick with obedience to the very end. And you know, this this idea, it's whether you're the ages of my daughters, very young, or the age of Pastor Marlin. <laughs> Sorry. This is for everybody, right? This idea of obedience, this idea from verse 56 and this idea from verse 112, it's for everybody. It's a conscious, determined choice. Like it says in 112, I'm resolved. So there it is, resolution, right? That's the same word, making up your mind. So his resolution was that he was going to obey the Lord right to the very end. Let's look at verse 105. Really common one here. Very well-known verse. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And again, here we, you know, if I had to pick one verse to sum up all of Psalm 119, all 176 verses, this would be it, I think. If, you know, this is, this idea of Scripture being a guide. Really, it's following this, what we just talked about, right? Living in obedience and getting in the Word and knowing it. If we're not meditating on it, if we're not submitting to it in obedience, it's not going to do much. This book is a brown, you know, mine's a brown leather book. I can't hold it out there like a flashlight. It's not going to do anything. But if I'm in it, it says that it's a guide that's going to illuminate. And that's, that's the whole point of Psalm 119 here, is he's showing that Scripture is valuable in every aspect and situation of life. Um, and I, I, I think it's worth noting what he uses as the light here, a lamp. I think a lot of times as human beings, we just want to see so far out, right? We want to know what's coming. And, you know... Back to, again, the high school thing. Like, oh, well, what are you doing when you're done with high school? Where are you going to go to college? What are you going to do? You know, and then once you get into college, okay, where, you know, what's the career? What's the, who am I going to marry? You get into your career, it's, well, when's the retirement date? You know, it's like everybody wants to be so far out. And this idea here, it says it's a lamp. It's not a spotlight or a floodlight where you can see way down there. It's also not a dim little nightlight either where it's just enough to keep you from tripping over the corner of the couch at night. It's, it's a lamp. He's giving us what we need. I, the way I kind of look at this verse that popped into my mind as I was studying through this is it's, it's really, you know, from the Lord's Prayer, from Jesus' model prayer, He talks about give us this day our daily bread. To me, that's the idea I see here with this lamp is it's plenty. It's what we need to keep us on the right path. And sure, there's maybe some planning and some things that he's going to give us wisdom on, planning-wise, down the future and things like that, but it's a lamp. It, it, it gives us enough for what we need today to stay on his path if we're following his word in obedience. Let's go to verse 59 and 60. And these two verses, I think, are really our key verses to start off with here in 2024. 
as I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. I hurried, not hesitating, to keep your commands. There's a real honest self-evaluation here in course correction. And this will be the only time we're going to leave Psalm 119 here today, so keep your finger. But Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 14. This idea of, you know, really these verses we just read and Psalm uh, verse 105, the, the lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. This path, you know, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So if you veered off, you know, I think this, like I said, this is a good time at the end of a year, beginning of a new year, really honestly evaluating our lives, looking at different areas of our lives and seeing, okay, are we really on the right path? Are we on the Lord's path? Are we on that straight and narrow path? Have we gone way off or have we just veered off a little bit in an area or two? But I think this is a, a, a great time to take a look at that. And, you know, it shouldn't just be at the end of the year. We should be doing these evaluations more often than that. But again, I think now is a good time to do that. Uh, just evaluating everything with Scripture and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it kind of brings up the idea of what does get us off track. And he addresses a, a couple things in Psalm 119, the author does. In Psalm 119.36, he says, Turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Turn my eyes from looking at, his what, at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. So these are only a couple examples. But they're pretty common things, I think, that can get us distracted. Material gain, you know, I don't know. We're in a real materialistic culture now. I don't know what it was like back then, but apparently it was just still something they struggled with. That could become a distraction to want to acquire things or or get so just wrapped up in, you know, a salary or paying the bills or, or acquiring things or whatever. You know, material things, they can oftentimes become distractions. And verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. There's a lot of things that are worthless that I think we spend our time on. Obviously, they didn't have social media and technology back when he wrote this, so that's the first place my mind goes, you know, when I think of worthless things that we look at. Spend so much time on there. If you're opening your phone and spending a half an hour scrolling through Facebook, that's probably a worthless thing. Um, but just, again, to evaluate. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, you have to think about in your own life what these worthless things might be. And I have to do that with my own life. And some of these things, I think, again, are pretty common these days in, in society and what we have. But, again, even back then, whatever, whatever that was, it was something that he acknowledged these things could become distractions in his life. I could get him off the path. Or uh, 133, verse 133, the, the end of it, it says, Don't let any sin dominate me. Of course, sin can get us off the path, right? That's a common one. Um, and he talks about not being dominated. So we have that potential as human beings, right, to, to fall into sin and to get stuck there. 
and become dominated by it. And it does. It can become dominating when we fall into fall into different sins. It can be hard to come back from, but these distractions, these sins, these are the things that can get us off this path. So we need to address them and then do what it says in verse 60. This is key. So think about, evaluate, and then correct. It says, I hurried, not hesitating, and turned my steps back to your decrees. That idea of hurrying, not hesitating, you know? Like, identify these things and don't just put it off or kind of address it and keep falling back into it, but no, make up your mind, move forward, don't hesitate and follow Christ in obedience. And what can be the, the result of living like some of these things we've been talking about today? If you go back to just the very beginning of this chapter, verses 1 through 3, this can be the result. How happy, and I'm going to pause there a second because this word happy, probably some of your versions say blessed. I'm going to use both because they're kind of interchangeable, but I think they're different things too. And, and I think we can maybe get a better picture if I just use both words. So how, how happy and blessed are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the Lord's instruction. How happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They follow his ways. So happy and blessed. It's right living. It's walking with the Lord, right? So don't get mired in that sin and distraction. And you might be looking at this and thinking, well, jeepers, verse 3 isn't really possible. They do nothing wrong. Well, I think if we read the rest of the chapter, we're going to realize he's not saying you don't ever do anything wrong. It's, that's the goal, that's, but it's that practice, that manner of living. I mean, if you even look at the very last verse of this chapter, 176, it says, I wander like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. There's that acknowledgement that sometimes we wander, we stray, we get off the, the path, but if you have ever been to this, I, I just feel like so many times people just get so stuck in this idea, like this defeatist attitude, like, well, we're human beings, so we sin, and so we, it's just the way it is, you know, but we don't have to. If we, be, if we do make this our practice, and if we're in the Word, and we're letting it guide us, we can, we can live according to verse 1 through 3 and be happy and blessed, be not doing things wrong. That's a sweet, sweet thing to be in a place where you just don't even want to sin. And it's hard to be there. And I say I'm not often there, but I've been there. And it's like when you're just not distracted and you're not... You, put that sin off, you don't even want to sin and you just want to live according to the Lord's Word, that's a great place to be. And that's, that's the idea here in verse 1 through 3 is, is that consistency. And we're only going to keep His instruction and walk in His ways if we are in and know Scripture. Verse 89, it says, Lord, Your Word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. It doesn't change. 
And again, we need to be in it. So that's my, that's my challenge for you all is I'm going to encourage you to spend some time in Psalm 119 because we looked at about 12 verses out of 176. But I think if you spend some time in there, it may change your perspectives. It may increase your love for God's Word. And again, that's the theme here. It's mentioned in almost every verse, is that love for God's Word and using it as a guide in all circumstances of our lives. And I think we do. We just need to go back to the basics. I mean, on your study sheet, that's a very simple graphic, right? It's just this book. Everybody has a copy of this book. If you don't say something, a lot of people will be happy to give you one. But it's very accessible, right? And we have study Bibles. We have reading plans. We have commentaries. We have all kinds of stuff. We have 66 books, and the psalmist only had a handful. What does that say if we're not getting into it? I just heard a recent poll on the radio showed that only one in four born-again believers have read the Bible through more than once. So, not saying you've got to do it in a year or whatever, but if you're going to make a New Year's resolution, I'd say that'd be a good one. Get in the Word more. I want to end, I want to close here this morning by just reading verse 59 and 60 one more time. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. I hurried, not hesitating, to keep your commands. Heavenly Father, uh, again, just thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm 119 and the practicality of it, the application of it. Lord, I do just want to ask that each of us would desire your word more. We know it has the answers, it has the solutions for every aspect of our lives, for every situation we might find ourselves in. And I just really want to ask that we would all have a hunger for it and and desire it and just get back to those basics and spend time in it and uh, just show us. I know there's people in here that would say they're too busy, but just to evaluate, really, truly, are, are we spending on time on worthless things and distractions that could be spending some time with you? Uh, I just want to ask that, that we would desire that as a individuals and as a church body here going into this new year. And we give you praise and ask these things in your name. Amen.